0: Hi, welcome to The Bridge Podcasts. We hope you enjoy the following message. For more information on all that's happening at The Bridge Church, please visit www.bridge-church.com Psalm 27 is one of the first psalms that um, I, I learned, well, ahead when I came into the Christian church. And... <clears throat> I remember thinking, I love King David. I love him. I love his heart because he wasn't perfect, but his love for God was so passionate. And that's something I think all our lives, sometimes we only live half a life because we have no passion in our hearts. And it's that passion that causes us to go the extra mile, to do things we never th- thought we could do. So that's, <clears throat> that's so important, and he certainly had it in spades. So I'd like, um, it's up there in front of you, and I'd like us to read it together, just um, to read it and speak it out and think about it as you're, as we're reading it. So the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise against me, in this I will be confident. Let's just stop there and look. There the Lord is my light and my salvation. David, King David saw that. He understood that. And then uh, a thousand years or so later in Acts, we hear um, of light and salvation coming to the Gentiles. That's us. But he experienced that light and salvation a thousand years before, by faith. And so it took away fear from him. And then, the Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? (laughs) We need strength in our lives. We need strength just to live day by day, to meet the challenges of everyday life. Now, we can either have human strength or we can have supernatural strength. And I know that sometimes when I look back at the things that I've come through and our family has come through, I know that there's been supernatural strength at work. Put your hand up and tell me if you know the same thing in your life. I'm just looking at somebody right now that gave a testimony yesterday. And uh, that's true. Supernatural strength brought, brought you back out of the hospital, and, you know, it wasn't human strength. And we can depend on that supernatural strength. You know, it's working for us, not against us. When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. He experienced that. You only need to experience that once to have confidence that God's working on your behalf. You know, and so many times um, when we read in Scripture of uh, how there was an enormous army ag- coming against just a few, and then the next thing, the enormous army, was they were fighting one another. The Lord can cause terrible confusion to come, on on people who are coming against his people. Never forget that we are his people and he will protect us. He will fight for us. He will defend us and pity help anybody who tries to harm us because the Lord will deal with them. You know, and he has his own ways of doing that. So have confidence like David did Um, that he just could see that this was going to happen in the future as well. It happened once, it'll happen again. I'll have enemies, but they'll be defeated. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise against me, in this I will be confident. Now, that confidence wasn't in himself. I mean, who here is 100% confident in themselves? None of us. And the older you get, the less confident you get in yourself. (laughs) But he had confidence in the Lord. Now let's read the next bit, which is my favorite. One thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion, in the secret place of his tabernacle. He shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. Now that is powerful because at that time, there wasn't a temple. And the tabernacle they were talking about was actually, um, the first tabernacle was a tent in the desert and it wasn't a very pretty looking thing because it was covered in in badger skin and the outside. But when you went inside, the beauty and the presence of the Lord just lit that place up. And so... um, that's where David, he just longed to stay there because he longed to experience the presence of the Lord. Now we're sitting here in a church. We're gathered together as a body, corporately. But we can be in the presence of the Lord any time we want to be because where his temple is now, he came through a phase of going then into a a temple made of stone. The Lord was in, in that temple of stone. But then at the crucifixion, as soon as Jesus said, it is finished, the curtain was split and the Lord came out. And the Lord then had the freedom to come out and to come in to the hearts of his people. That's the temple he always wanted, but it was never available to him in the Old Testament because the people's hearts were not ready, you know? And Jesus had to go through the passion and the cross in order to help us, to make us ready to receive, to be the temples that the, the Lord has always wanted. He wants a human temple. And yet, you know, look at us, are we all that great in the outside? But we're lit up in the inside because he's there. We're lit up. So David saw it. He, he said, I will seek that. And if you seek, you're going to find. If you don't seek, you won't find. But if you do, they used to say about me, "Oh, there she goes. That's her into something else." Because I was always seeking, but I was seeking for the truth, and I did go down some rabbit holes, but I came back up again, <laughs> and I still had that desire that I did not want to miss out on the greatest thing in life, which is God. We used to we used to play it as children, and we used to, you know, write down your address. You know, and and you would put um, whatever your address was, and then you you would put your country, and then you'd put the world, and then the universe. (laughs) And I used to say that, you know, who's the greatest person that you would want to meet? And, you know, would, would it be at that time the queen or a film star or whoever your idol was? But I always answered, no, God, who wants to meet the queen when you can meet God? Now I don't know why that was put into me as a child. I can only thank my grandmother for that, uh, because she taught me all my prayers, and I used to think that our bedroom that we shared—that uh, when, you know, that one day that bedroom would be in a wee corner of heaven—and I thought that my grandma and I will be in that bedroom in a wee corner of heaven, because she made heaven come alive to me. That's just what she was—she was like. Um, So, where am I now, Uh aha, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Now, to inquire in his temple, the Lord wants us to speak to him. He wants us to be always, you know how a child asks thousands of questions and it's you know, but why this? But why that? Why does that happen? And what? Why the? And eventually, you know, you're just answering anything because they're wearing you down. But the Lord never gets worn down with our questions. He wants us to question, to ask Him questions, burning questions that we have in our hearts. He wants us to speak them out to Him, to inquire in His temple. And in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion, in the secret place of his tabernacle. He shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. Back to David again, where it was an external temple. David found protection and peace, you know, and and just everything he needed, he found when he was seeking the Lord in his temple. In his tabernacle. Now, actually, the, the old tabernacle or, uh, and the temple had three parts to it, and the outside part was called the, the courtyard. So when you went in the courtyard, the first thing you saw was the big altar of sacrifice. And so you looked and you thought, yeah, I'm taking this, you know, as now. Yes, that's where Jesus was sacrificed for me. And then you saw that there was a basin full of water that when you looked in it, you could see your face. And so that was like the word that's preached. Um, you, you see things in that word, and it tells you who you are, who he is, and the relationship that you have. But some people... Stay there. They're happy to be in that outer court. But there's an inner court. And in that inner court, there's the the candelabra that has six uh, stems. And that's representative of the Holy Spirit. Spirit of wisdom and understanding, power and might, Knowledge and fear of the Lord. Who wants that in their lives? We want wisdom. We want understanding. We want power. So many feel so powerless in life. We want power and might. We want knowledge and we want to be in right relationship. To have it. Fear of the Lord just means worship. It doesn't mean being terrified of Him. It means Getting things right in that relationship of worship. Um, So that's in there, and then the table with the showbread is in there, and then the altar of incense where our petitions go up to the Lord. That's, if you can go in there, that's you going deeper. You've come out of the outer court. You know that Jesus died for you, but you want to find out more about him. You want to know him in a deeper way. And so you'll go in there. And then when you've been in there, the next place is the most holy place. And that's where you just fall down in your face before him because that's where the mercy seat is. That's where the glory dwells. And, you know, that's where the blood of Christ is even now. It still avails for us even now. Do you remember when Jesus rose from the dead and Mary Magdalene met him? And she went to touch him once he revealed who he was and he said, don't touch me. I've not yet been to the Father because he was taking the blood to put it in the mercy seat in heaven. And that blood still flows for anybody that comes to Christ, that blood avails for them. That's where the blood is. And one day we'll see that. You know? But this earthly temple had that representation, you know, of of the mercy seat where you, you went to find mercy. We can find all of these things just by being with Jesus. So, then um, he shall. <clears throat> now let's read on, verse six. And now my head shall be lifted up above my. Was oh, it not? Is it up there now? Yeah. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. Therefore, I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. That's just what we've done. That's just what we've done. We've lifted up our heads. And, you know, sometimes we're a bit cast down. Life can cast us down. But when we come in here, and this is having a passion to be together, to be in this church together, a passion to be in his house where we can Praise and worship him, and he is the lifter of our heads. And, I mean, I was nervous down there. I'm thinking, well, I'm getting nearer and nearer when I have to step up here. But, you know, when the worship started, the fears just went. And I found myself lifting my head up and and worshiping. So, excuse me. And worship is such a powerful thing because there are times in our lives that are so hard, that are harder than we've ever experienced, and that's hard to worship then. But will I tell you something? That's called the sacrifice of praise. When it's a sacrifice, when you're down as low as you can go If you can just lift up those hands, if you can just raise that voice, if you can just shout the name of Jesus in times like that, you don't know what mighty things that's accomplishing against the enemy. He may have beaten you down, but that worship and that shout, that accomplishes so much more than we will ever know. And because it's a sacrifice of praise. And that's when we're being like Jesus. He sacrificed his blood. We sacrifice our praise at the low times in our lives when we can hardly raise our heads. Amen. Somebody said, I think it was Bill Johnson, don't miss out in these times. When these times come, see them for what they are. An opportunity to show Jesus what he means to us and who we are, and what we can rise up against, even in those times. So, and now my head, that's sorry, um, therefore I will sacrifice, I will sing, and I will give praise. Let's read seven now, seven onwards. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy also upon me and answer me. When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. It's just what we've been saying. He's urging us, seek my face. Do you know what that means? When when we, we think of seeking the Lord's face, you have to lift, you know, you're lifting your head. Your head up, you're seeking His face. You're forgetting your troubles. Yeah. You're seeking His will. To seek His face means to seek His will. And I've come to say this prayer, Lord, I seek your face because I know your hand is upon me. From His hand comes blessings, comes provision, comes all the things we need from His hand. He's our source. But when we seek His face, we're not seeking his hand. We're not seeking him for what he can give us. We're seeking his will. Yes. We're seeking to please him. Lord, how can I love you today? How do you want me to love you today? Yes. He, he'll tell you how he wants you to love him today. You know, and if, if it's your burning desire to love him, to love him without any strings attached, then he, he'll tell you. So, do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Do not leave me or forsake me, O God of my salvation. When my father and mother forsake me, then the Lord will take care of me. Now, again, don't put your hand up, but how many of us have been forsaken? In life, sometimes by our parents, sometimes by those who are supposed to look after us, or sometimes by friends, sometimes even by our spouse. There are times when that happens, and I know that the Lord is with us in these times. But the very thought of being forsaken by Him, nobody could comfort me. Nobody could come. If I lost the Lord, there's no comfort in this life for me. We get to that place where we know we cannot lose Him. We cannot lose Him. You agree, don't you? (laughs) So, teach me your way, O Lord. Let's read on to the end now. Teach me your way, O Lord and lead me in a smooth path because of my enemies. Do not deliver me to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and such as breathe out violence. I'll I'll stop there, I meant to uh, stop there. King David wrote this psalm at one of the worst times in his life. He had been anointed, King. Now, anointed means appointed. That's just what that really means. But Saul, the first king, was still on the throne and he wanted to kill David. The anointing had lifted off Saul. God was no longer fighting for Saul because Saul had chosen another way and he had disappointed, Um, he, he had disobeyed God so many times because he sought always to please the people. A leader can't do that. And so the anointing had lifted off Saul, but he refused to to give up the throne. And so he set about killing David. And so David, for many, many years as king, had to live in a cave or had had to flee, had to live among enemies just anywhere to avoid Saul's murderous rage against him. And yet there was times when he could have killed Saul and he didn't because he wouldn't. So <clears throat> false witnesses did rise against him. Violent men came after him. He, he just was constantly persecuted. But then he says in verse 13, I would have lost heart unless I had believed. And many of us here would have lost heart unless we had believed. He believed that he would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Not in the land of the dead, but in the land of the living. And that did happen. He did become king. He became a wonderful king. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. If you need your heart strengthened, wait. Wait on the Lord. Just be there with him. Just refuse to leave him until he strengthens your heart. Talk to the Lord like you would talk to one another because he's there, he's closer to you than a brother. Just keep that conversation going, you know. And in this church, when we do have trouble, this is me coming to the end now, when we do have trouble, the Lord has set it up that we we're not left alone. The enemy likes us to be alone so he can pick us off, take us out. But we have this church, this family, where we don't we don't suffer alone, we don't struggle alone, and we don't even despair alone. We, our brothers and sisters are all around us to support us and to be there with us in our journey, and sometimes we fall in the journey we know that we we get it wrong, but our brothers and sisters don't judge us they're there to pick us up to help us again that's when we have a passion for the house, we have a passion for one another. Yeah. It's not just... It's for one another. This is a house of flesh and blood as well. And the Lord wants us to be there for one another through sick and sin. And that's where um, we, we can be encouraged by one another. And we take we take that encouragement as well. So... That passion for the house is so real and it it causes you to forget yourself and to put yourself out for the house. You know, for the house of the Lord, the family of the Lord, the family of God. Thanks for listening. Remember to visit our website, www.bridge-church.com and connect with us via Facebook and Twitter.